Hear that? It's the call of the Crave. And when the Crave calls, you know what to do. Try the $5 Bacon Bundle, because the only thing better than a White Castle slider is a White Castle slider topped with crispy hickory smoked bacon. So pick any two of either the Bacon Cheese Slider, 1921 Bacon Cheese Slider, or Chicken Bacon Ranch Slider, and also get a small fry for just $5 with the $5 Bacon Bundle. White Castle. Follow your Crave. Hey friends, and welcome to the Happy Hour with Jamie Ivey podcast. I'm your host, Jamie, and I'm so glad you're here. Each week on this show, I invite a friend to join me and we chat about the big things in life, the little things in life, and everything in between. Hey, 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 friends. Welcome to the Happy Hour. I'm your host, Jamie, and listen... Today, we have a really, really, really great show in store for you. I sit down with my friend, Carlos Whitaker, and let me just tell you, I feel like Carlos and I should have sat down forever ago, but I trust God and God's timing that this is what it is. Full disclosure, we recorded this show a while ago, and then just for some stuff on our end with editing and some obligations and commitments that we already had, we had to push it back. But again, I really believe that God is good in His timing, and for some reason, today's show is supposed to come out today, and so... I've listened to this show again since we recorded it, and it is so good, and I'm so grateful for Carlos and the way he loves people around him, and you're going to love meeting him today. Before I tell you about the show, I want to ask a favor of you. Now, listen, you've heard authors and podcasters talk about reviews, and honestly, we love them. And let me tell you, it's not for what you think. It's not because I need to go read reviews to find out who my friends are and who likes my show and who doesn't like my show. But reviews on the podcast app, they actually help more people find the show. So if you've been listening for a while on the happy hour, or maybe you're new here, maybe this is your first show and you're like, hey, let me listen to the show before I make my decision. No matter what, if you are enjoying the happy hour, I would love it if you went over to iTunes and left us a review. Listen, I'll take five stars if you're willing to give them, but we really would love some kind words about the show because our mission here at the happy hour is so that more people will know Jesus and that more people will be encouraged and not only just in their life, but in their faith. And we believe that stories change the world. And every week we want to bring you someone on here that has something that we think is valuable to say. So if you have loved these shows, would you consider leaving us a review? And you know what, friends, while you're at it, if you love our friend Carlos that's on the show today, he actually has launched his own show. It's called Human Hope, and it's a podcast that's hosted on the That Sounds Fun Network, which you may be familiar with that with our friend Annie F. Downs. His show has launched since we recorded this. And so if you like podcasts because you're listening here, go listen to Carlos's show as well. Guys, on today's show, Carlos and I talk about some of the problems of finding our identity and what we do and overcoming some lies from the enemy. He talks a lot about what it looks like to step into hard conversations in order to better love and understand one another. Friends, it's no secret that there's been a lot of division in our world right now in the last four years, in the past 20 years, in the past forever, you know, but it feels really heavy right now. And sometimes it feels like disagreeing with people and loving them well have to be mutually exclusive. But Carlos says we've got to learn to not stand on issues, but walk with people. I hope you enjoy this conversation with my friend, Carlos Whitaker. Carlos Whitaker, welcome to the happy hour. I'm giddy. I can't believe that I'm actually on the happy hour with you and all your friends. Well, I'm giddy, and I don't know why it took us this long, but here we are, almost seven years in, and finally Carlos Whitaker's coming on the show. Wait, hold on. Seven years? We'll have our seventh birthday in May of the happy hour. Round of applause from Nashville, Tennessee. Thank you. That is commitment and consistency right there. 
Well, I tell you what, it's I always say I have the coolest job in the world, so I love it. Yeah, that's so cool. I love it so that's much. So cool. Well, okay, so welcome in. If anyone doesn't know who you are, tell us a little bit. You live in Nashville, a wife and some kids, but tell us what you do and about your family. Yeah, so I live in Nashville, Tennessee, which to be honest with you, I feel like everyone's moving to Nashville, Tennessee right now. But I was here first, okay? So I moved here a decade ago to chase my music dreams you know, moved here with my wife. And at that time, it was a seven-year-old, a five-year-old, and a three-year-old. And yeah, you know, did the Nashville thing, like wrote songs and got lived on tour buses and traveled around and was miserable for the entirety of my existence doing that thing. And so I transitioned after about three years of doing that here in Nashville to beginning to speak and write and do things that I think I probably was better at. I know I was better at than the singing thing. And that's when, you know, my life and career kind of ended up where it's at now. So now you find me majority of the time. I'm a storyteller. I like to tell stories. I tell people I tell stories on stages and books and on Instagram. So that's kind of where I'm telling stories every day. I write books and then I travel around and I talk about them. Don't really travel anymore. <laughs> Nobody really does. But yeah, I live in Nashville with my wife and, of 20 years. Congrats. And yes, Heather is, and I've been married 20 years. Boy, did it take some work on her part to get me here, to drag me to the 20-year mark. But she did. And we've got an 18-year-old, a 17-year-old, and a 14-year-old. And we live on a little you know, just a little half acre of, of suburbia here in Nashville with some chickens and a lot of animals. And a, she's got a little farm outside and she she's found her kind of her sweet spot in, I think, in this season of life where she just loves to grow things on our and feed us those things. And yeah, it's just good. It, it, Jamie, it's like it's honestly is I was telling somebody I had coffee right before we interviewed this. This is a young guy in his 30s and he's like or he, he actually just turned 30. He's like, I feel like I'm missing it. Like, I feel like I'm like, you know, it's too late. I'm like, it's too late. Are you kidding me? Like I'm 47 and I feel like I'm just stepping into the sweetest, richest season of my life. You got a runway, bro. Like you've got, you know, don't think that you've missed it. You've not missed it, you know? And so it's a sweet season. I love it. I'm having a good time. You know, I think that's so true. I'm 42 and Aaron and I will hit 20 years this summer and we have kids about the same age. We have 17, 2, 15 and 13. So yes. We love this teenage stage. I mean, we actually have been the kind of parents that have loved every stage that's come along. I don't really love baby babies. You know, we are the same person. It's not my thing. Same human. Like I love my babies, and I'll tell you that I love your baby, but I don't really want to hold your baby. Yeah, 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 yeah. (laughs) Until they get like you know two or three, and then we can have fun. But. We are loving parenting teenagers. It has its own difficulties, obviously, like every stage does, but it's so much fun. So Aaron and I are with you guys. We are really loving our stage of life. And I can see if anyone follows you on Instagram, you really do kind of let us into your life. And when you described how you were the first time you were in Nashville for those years, it seemed very unhappy and unfulfilled. And I would say the opposite is of your life now. You seem like you have found that sweet spot. It is so true. It's amazing. You know, sometimes we try and we try. And I look back at those early years in Nashville when I was on tour buses. And honestly, like I had a really skewed view of my identity and who I was. And I was trying to find it in a whole bunch of different things. And as miserable as it was, you know, I am grateful for that season because I think it's allowed me to enjoy this season even more. And, you know, sometimes people think that the goal is to get to the dream, right? Like people think that the dream is blank. And then the journey to the dream is the journey. But like, for me, I'm like, no, the journey was the dream, Mm -hmm. right? Like the path, the walking, that thing was 
actually what made this season so much sweeter. And so, yeah, you know, good. it's good to find it. It's good to be in it. It's good to just roll around in it, you know? You know, it. it's good to hear you say that you were kind of searching for your identity, you know, as a woman who speaks to mostly women, and I would bet mostly women listen to this podcast and mostly women yeah. read my books, all those things. I sometimes forget maybe just because I'm not a man, that men struggle with some of the same things women do with just like finding out who we are and our identity. And that is such a big struggle for women of feeling and looking around and thinking, wow, she's got it going on. I guess I'm missing something. And I think you just let us into something that so do our men in our lives, our sons, our brothers, our uncles, our husbands, our dads. What is that? Tell me about that a minute. Oh, yeah. You know, the men in your life, obviously, listen, it's 2021. I think sometimes people get too careful what they say about the roles and men and women and what they do. But I mean, I've always shot from the hip and from the heart, kind of my heart's on my hip. So it's kind of the same place. (laughs) But here's the deal. Like men, as they're kind of out there boisterously trying to, you know, provide and do the things that they have been taught in the 80s to do, there is a massive amount of men. Listen, I'm no data scientist, but it's more than... 50% of men that I speak to on a weekly basis as I travel around, as I'm speaking to these men who are desperately trying to figure out who they are. Mm. And, you know, I honestly believe that the men in your life, you know, that maybe the women that are listening to this and you've got a husband who may look like he's got his stuff together. Mm -hmm. I promise you three questions you could ask him. You can get to the root of how inadequate he honestly does feel and how we are searching for significance. Everybody is searching for, you know, to feel important, to to be significant. And until I finally realized that like that search wasn't going to land me with some title or some deal or some amount of numbers, because the search for a man, the search for significance never ends, right? So like people may look at me now and think, oh, Carlos, well, you've got book deals and you're speaking and you've got however many followers on these things. Well, um, can I be honest with you? Like, Three days ago, I was on Instagram, three days ago, Mm -hmm. and I saw a guy that does what I do, speaks to the same people that I speak at. He may listen to your podcast, who knows, but who's 31 years old and just bought like three acres, dream property. And I'm sitting here going like, I'm 47. Mm. Like I still live in like a 1960s ranch home in a subdivision that we really want to get out of if we could. And so like, why haven't I gotten to where I need to be at, right? The enemy is going to come in and just continue to raise your insecurities. And we just have to get to a place where our identity isn't based on any of that stuff because we're never going to have enough. We're never going to have enough. We're never going to be important enough. And I think it probably was about two years ago where I kind of crushed those questions and I crushed the voice that was asking those questions. Mm. I have to keep that voice suppressed uh, now, like every so often it'll creep up. But once I did that and did the work to really get that done, I've just been a lot more content in who I am. You know, I love that because the story that you're telling is something that I think is so true that sometimes people can forget as they can think, okay, why am I still having these thoughts come up? And you just said vulnerably three days ago, I found myself in this situation of wondering, wait, why am I not having what he has? And I think it's yeah. so encouraging to talk about and say, okay, so you had two years ago when you're like, hey, I crushed this, but guess what? Carlos, you're having to fight it every time it comes up. And I think sometimes we don't want to do the work of fighting because it feels easier just to sit in it. But the work of fighting is where we progress and get better and start to believe more about our identity. You said you could ask your man three questions. Yeah. Do you know them or do I need to skip past it? No, I mean, I don't know them off the top of my head. I said three questions because I feel like there are three questions that I continue to ask myself about my identity, but not necessarily just with identity, but also with any lie that I'm believing, right? The questions are, you know, 
the first thing that I ask myself is, what is the agreement with the lie? Like, what is the lie? That's the first question you've got to get to. So when my identity starts to get, so say, well, we'll just take three days ago. Yeah. Three days ago, the lie was, I'm not enough because I don't have that. Right. Okay. So boom, there's the lie. Like that didn't take therapy to get to. Like I didn't have to go to therapist. I didn't have to go to like experiential therapy. I know what that lie is. Yeah. So what do I do? Like the first question, what's the lie? I've got to find truths that replace that lie. Right. So then that's the first thing I've got to do to get my identity back in check is what are the truths that counteract the lie? And so for me, I go to scripture. For me, I go to find things that that are true about me true about what God says about who I am. And I literally just confess those lies mm. and then I reject those lies and I send them away. And then I replace those lies with the truth that I have found. So like the first thing you've got to do is definitely find out what is the lie. Now, the second question, maybe there's just two questions that people can ask. The second one is this, what triggered the lie, mm. right? Because that's the thing, you, you can yeah. break the agreement, but you're saying, well, Carlos, two years ago, you had this conversation and you said you squashed that voice, but then it keeps popping up. Well, because yes, there's things that trigger it. So what I've got to do is I have to protect myself from whatever triggers those things are. Listen, we're human, like yep. we're going to be triggered. And so for me, what is the lie and what triggers me to have those lies continue to pop up in my head? Those are the two questions that if I can get those things down in a rhythm, man, I'm telling you, it's every single day. I mean, it is today. Here's a lie that could easily pop in my head. I'm going to launch a podcast in a few weeks, man. But how do I get to what Jamie's doing? Like, look at her, Mike. Like, how do I get the rhythm in the da-da-da-da-da? Well, here's the deal. Seven years. You can get there in seven years, Carlos. And again, there's just lies every single day that are going to be triggered by things, wounds, uh, situations in your past and your history that if you can ask yourself those two questions, what's the lie and what triggers the lie and keep killing them, mm. confessing the lie, rejecting the lie, replacing the lie, confessing the lie, rejecting the lie, replacing the lie. Every single day it becomes a rhythm and then you can you can just deal with it. You don't have to go to therapy. You just do it. You know, so good. I love my therapist. But you can do your own therapy every single day. I love that. And it's so important because no one that's listening is going, I don't understand what they're talking about. I never struggle with I this. <laughs> Everyone's like, holy crap, they're reading my mail. This is what I do every single day I give in. I love that. I've heard you say before, you want people to find freedom through breaking those agreements with the lies that they believe, yeah. letting them go. Absolutely. If you don't know it, guys, I'm a Texas girl through and through. I've lived here most of my life. I was born here and I love traveling. Here's why I love traveling throughout Texas, because it has a vast landscape of cultures, regions, destinations, and activities, which means there's an infinite number of different travel experiences. And no two travelers are exactly alike. And it means that no two trips should be either. If you're a beach person, well, you can have fun under the sun with Texas's 350 miles of coastline. If you're more of a rugged vacation type, there are campgrounds, hiking trails, and state parks galore. And foodies cannot get enough of Texas's world-famous barbecue and Tex-Mex. Enjoy live music, visit internationally recognized art museums, and check out thrilling cowboy experiences. And now, Travel Texas offers a one-of-a-kind online trip builder that allows users to generate a custom, visually-led trip matched to their unique interest. Guys, come visit my state. Visit TravelTexas.com slash GetYourOwn to get the only trip to Texas that matters. Yours. That's TravelTexas.com slash GetYourOwn. You guys, in January of 2024, I made a commitment to myself. I wanted to get stronger, which meant I needed to get in the gym, which means I needed to move my body in different ways. You guys know I love to walk. 
Well, it's spring and spring is the best time for us to start a new workout routine. It's our yearly collective warm up, and Peloton is here for everyone's yearly warm up. This is the best time to get into a good rhythm, to tap into your power and build towards your summer you. I love my Peloton. It accommodates to my schedule with a variety of class links to choose from. I can choose a 30-minute class. I can choose a 45-minute class. If you only have five minutes, there's literally a class to get you moving your body in five minutes. Peloton has a range of class types fit for every goal and every mood. There are classes if you want to hear country music, if you want to hear uh, rock, if you want to go back to the 80s. If you can't run, take a walking class. Need some grounding? Try yoga. If you want to level up, go for their Pilates or HIIT workouts. Here's what I love is that you can move at your own pace. And that is what I'm learning that my body needs right now. It needs to move at its own pace. Peloton makes the process easier with personalized recommendations and guided programs that take all the guesswork out of working out. You guys, we think about so many things during the day. Let's take the guesswork out. Let's jump right in and let's keep our fitness journey fresh every single day. Peloton has everything you need to get you where you're going. Whether you prefer to run outdoors, row or ride at home, or strength train at the gym, Peloton has something for you. I personally love a good 45-minute hip-hop class. It gets me moving. It gets me excited. It's my favorite genre of music, just ask my kids. Get a head start on summer with Peloton at OnePeloton.com. That's OnePeloton.com. Start clean with Clorox because Clorox delivers a powerful clean Every time. Because messes happen. Because... Hey, listen. Remember how you told me to toss those takeout containers before we left for vacation? And you were like, I'm serious. If that leaks over the counter, it'll be a slimy abomination by the time I get back. And I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Of course. Don't worry about it. I won't forget. (laughs) Well. Ooh, yeah. That happens. So start clean with Clorox. Use Clorox products as directed. Rinse after use if in contact with food surface. 2020 was a dumpster fire of a year for so many reasons. One of the things I've seen you do really well, and I just want to talk about it, is you have engaged it with humility, with compassion, with honesty, with truth, with forcefulness when needed. What did 2020 and you engaging Instagram, and we'll talk about Instagram. I love following you on Instagram. What did that look like for you, that engagement? Did it take a toll on you? Like, just walk me through what that was like. Yeah, so whatever that sound I just made was <laughs> that you just heard was the toll that it took yeah. on me. It was, I don't think I, I understood the toll that it took on me until me, honestly, until the first week of 2021. Mm. When, I, when I look back and actually when like the Capitol riots happened and, and I was just triggered in ways that I didn't know that I would have been triggered in. And, you know, I felt very called to lead the demographic that follows me, which honest, to be honest with you, your listeners of the happy hour with Jamie Ivy, they're the same people that follow me. Like it's the same sort of people. Some people may mix and match, but it is, it's kind of white evangelical, middle American, conservative Christian women, right? That That's who followed me mm-hmm. and who buys my books and it is what it is. And so I've always, I think the reason why they follow me is I'm like, I'm just a family guy. I talk about my wife. I talk about my kids. I show you kind of my, you know, I, there's not a lot of dudes doing that. Mm-hmm. So when Ahmad Arbery got killed, I made a video called sitting right here at the desk I'm sitting at called what my white friends can do for their black friends right now. I think that's what it was called. And I remember before I hit upload to IGTV, I thought to myself, 
oh man, can my people do this? Like, can they do this? Like, I was still Carlos. I was still graceful. I was still kind. I was empathetic. I was, listen, I understand. But it still was like very hard. And right, we're like a month into quarantine. Everyone's already like feeling like the shakes. And I prayed about it. And I was like, yeah, you're supposed to do it. Now, overnight, when I put that video out there, listen, I make my living on Instagram. That is like where I get booked. I build my platform. I lost 7,000 followers in a night. And I only had 32,000 followers at that time. So like I lost over a third or right around a third of my followers because I put that out there. And I woke up the next morning nauseous. Mm. Like I've ruined my career. Mm. I've ruined my life. But in that nauseous state, I still knew that it was the right thing that I had to start speaking about this. Like I gained the trust for so long. We've been doing this a long time, Jamie. I mean, we've been talking on the internet Mm -hmm. for a long time. I gained the trust of a lot of people. And there were still 26, 27,000 people that didn't leave, right? right? So I'm like, okay, well, apparently they want to hear. So let's start talking. And I started talking and words started spreading. And some of those people that left came back, but it still was difficult. Like it was difficult to teach white people every day what it's like to be a black person in America. Mm -hmm. Because I'm a black person that's living in a white bubble. Mm -hmm. Like my churches, I have white church. All my friends are white people. So as hard as it is, and I couldn't actually speak to like black people that weren't around white people. I was only speaking as a black person that was around nothing but white people. Mm -hmm. And so that's why I also feel like I was a trusted voice in that season. So then, you know, it was one thing after another, after another, after another. And the weight of it began to take a toll. I mean, there was a three-week period that I just, I got offline. Like I had to take a break, but I still felt called to do it. I still feel called. Yeah to do it. But the toll that it took on me was probably the toll it took on everyone. I mean, I'll be honest with you. Everybody's feeling exhausted from what 2020 did to us. I feel it as a black man in America differently than some people that are listening to this feel, but we all experience that toll. So, you know, take the toll that 2020 took and then sprinkle in a presidential election on top of that at the very end. And I, you know, it was a lot, it was a lot. So it was exhausting but it also was empowering and it propelled me and pushed me in a direction I didn't know I was going to go in. I mean, 2019, I'd say that my speaking gigs were 90% faith-based, 10% corporate. Now it's probably 70% corporate or Mm non-faith-based, 30% faith-based. And let me tell you what's happened is the church that was comfortable booking Carlos, okay, Whatever that church, we'll call that first whatever church of white people that was comfortable with me, suddenly most of them, I won't say all of them because some of them I know are doing the work, but many of them, I want to say most, many of them are suddenly very uncomfortable with the version of me that I am in public. And so those went away. (laughs) If I was speaking there twice a year, they've hung up and I'm getting new opportunities to speak. Some of those same churches are having conversations like, man, like, you know, we'd love to have you, but I'm like, this is who I am now. It's just who I am. But here's the thing. The non-faith communities are desperate for what I have to say. Mm -hmm. And it's just, it's making me wonder like, why in the world is Kaiser Permanente begging me to come and speak 
and show what empathy looks like mm-hmm. as a white person, as a black person. What and the church doesn't want me to come yeah. speak on this. Yeah, I mean that's a way bigger conversation. That's a bigger conversation. And we've had. I mean, Derek Minor was on here. Said the same thing. Lecrae was on here. Said the same yeah. thing. And that happened for them. You know, 2016. Lecrae all of a sudden was like, "Oh wait, nobody wants me to come perform anymore because I'm going to speak right. out against Donald Trump." So it's been really rough for a lot of our black brothers and sisters. I saw an Instagram post I remember from yours, and and you had a split screen, and on one side yours picture of you and I could tell that you were crying and on the other side of the screen was just a text message that you had screenshotted and it said I see you yeah you said in the post that was from a white friend of yours a really a great friend of yours not an acquaintance a friend of yours very close yes so can you explain that to me uh what happened and what that even felt like for you well I haven't talked about this I've just typed about this with my thumbs so forgive me if I stumble for a moment because it was truly most human moments I've had in a long time I've spent the last four years trying to, because the day Donald Trump got elected, somebody actually sent me a Facebook post. I didn't post it on Instagram. I only posted on Facebook. So never on Facebook. I don't see my memories or whatever. And they said, hey, here's what you posted on Facebook. And so I, I read it and I was like, whoa. I was like, dear Donald Trump. I wrote like a letter to him. I said, you're my president now, but I don't agree with how you are treating the black community, what you say about the Mexican community, about all the things, but I'm going to pray for you. And I'm praying that I'm wrong in four years. Right. So like from day one, jump street, I was like, I was like out there saying like, guys, I actually read the comments underneath that four years ago. <laughs> and this was on Facebook. Okay. So here's the difference. Like Instagram, when I post something, man, like, I don't know these people that follow me. If they troll me, like, I don't care. Facebook though. It's like, these are people I've known my whole life. Right. So that's why I stay away from there because I don't want to know that my second grade teacher is racist. Right. <laughs> right. Like, I don't want to know that. Like, I don't care if I know my Instagram. So so I'm reading all the comments now, right? 2021, I'm reading for what I wrote, what they were saying. And I just, like, just that nausea began to build again because I'm seeing these people who were just defending him and who were just like, no, that's not what he meant. It was like, that's not what he meant for four freaking years. It was never what he meant. And so this is what he is giving people leverage and power to believe, whether or not he believes it or not, he is giving people who believe in supremacy of their race, the ammunition, and he is allowing them to have this. And I would say this over and over to my friends and that, well, I'm just listening to abortion and my values and taxes and what, and so like, that's just what they cared about. And it was so exhausting to me that I'm like, you care more about these issues than you care about me. Like, I honestly don't care if you vote for Donald Trump. I just care if you care about me. And by caring about me doesn't mean you're not going to vote for Donald Trump, but it is going to show me that you're going to walk with me. And that's something I say all the time. Don't stand on issues, walk with people. Because people like me were watching all my white friends be apologists for him. And I was feeling more alone, more alone, more alone, more alone. Until, listen, that late 2020, I felt as alone as I'd ever felt. All my friends, my close friends, Again, I'm using general terms, not all my friends, but uh, the majority of those who have been close to me were blatant apologists for that man. And I kept saying, listen, this is what's going to happen. Trust me, this is going to happen. And finally, I never even said I told you so after January 6th. I didn't say it. I didn't say it. I just was furious. And there's three close friends of mine, three. They're all white, middle-aged, conservative men. They are all, you know, Republican dudes, very successful. All three of them at different times on the 6th and the 7th reached out to me and said, I'm sorry. Either I'm sorry. So two of them, sorry. And I was like, wow, that felt a lot. But then the third one, my friend Rob, he texts me and he goes, I see now. Mm. Oh my, I started bawling. Like, I see you now. Like, I get it. I'm sorry. Like, 
And so that was the difference. That was it between I'm sorry and I see you to finally be seen and to finally be seen as not just some angry black guy, but to be seen for seeing what was happening and nobody could see it but us, to be honest with you, or people that were really looking for it. And so he sent me that. I did a big post on Facebook about it. And and I think I wrote in there, listen, like, I'm not trying to change my friend's political views. Like, that's not what I'm trying to do. But what I'm trying to do is to allow them to see the world through my eyes. Mm. And when that happens, things begin to change. When that happens, we don't allow things like the last four years to happen. And that's what's got to happen. That's the conversations I'm in every single day now is trying to allow people to see the world the way I see it or just to see me. Don't you don't have to see the world. If you see me and you see my pain and you try to defend someone else that's causing me pain, at that point the relationship probably has to end. And so yeah, it just was a lot. That was the text that just kind of like yeah. unloaded it. Yeah. And that's when I felt all the pain that I've felt the last 4 years and really what 2020 had done, all of it came spilling out. I think I probably cried, cried for 3 straight hours. Like mm-hmm. I just was like yeah. Heather's like, "You okay?" I'm like, "No." <laughs> you know. What anyway. did you say see people not policy? Walk with people. Yeah, I know. I say this. I say, we've got to, and I learned this. I heard this from a friend of mine named Mike many years ago. We've got to learn to not stand on issues, but walk with people. Not stand on issues, but walk with people. Yeah. So I said, don't stand on issues, walk with people. People ask me all the time, Carlos, where do you stand on this issue? And I'm like, I don't, but I've got a friend who that issue affects and I'll walk with them. Mm. And when you walk with somebody that is actually, that the issue is resting on their shoulders, I promise you, you're not going to have an opinion on an issue anymore. You're going to have a relationship with a person. And that's what has to change. It's so good. It's so good. It changes everything. You know, the question we're all asking is, how do we do this different now? Because I wasn't alive, you know, 50 years ago, but politics to me, and listen, there was no good old days. There was only good old days for some people, okay? But I do feel like politics have taken a turn where there is such a division. And so I don't know how everyone wants to work together because I can't work with you on anything because then people will think I agree with this. You know, it's like, oh, if I vote for this person because I really like their policy on immigration, oh, you're then a baby killer. Well, that's not really true. Or if you vote for this person because you like their policy on abortion, oh, you hate immigrants. Right. And how do we move past that? You know, it's like my friend Eugene Cho says when people ask him, are you Republican or Democrat? He says, on what issue? Right. What are we talking about here? Because I want to deal with the people. So, Carlos. Yeah. How do we come back together as a country? Yeah. We have to do it. I think empathy has to be the number one thing. It's got to be. If we can't see other people's pain points then there's no way. It, we won't. Mm-hmm. But when, and this is, listen, this is my full-time job right now, I keep telling my family, is to, now that the election's over, is to go to those people that are really close with me, friends that are close with me, and to find out why they feel what they feel right now. Because the reason why people are so passionate and divisive with political issues isn't because they just have an opinion. It's because at some point in their life, there was trauma or a pain point that happened. And that pain point changed everything for them and began to skew one way or the other how they vote for things and what they think about things because they were affected by that particular issue. So when we can actually stop, like people say, like, I love Eugene's answer. You know, are you Republican or Democrat? Well, let me tell you, my uncle was deported from LA back to Mexico. 
Actually, he was deported in a way that never should have happened. So guess what? Because I walk with my uncle, I've got a strong opinion because there's a pain point in my life about this. Now, it's not just a blanket. It's not just an issue. Okay. Here's the deal. Abortion. I've never walked through that with anybody. Like I recently found out that one of our close friends had an abortion. That's the closest. And this was like 20 years ago. That's the closest I'd actually ever been to that issue. So what did that do? What it did was it allowed me to not have an opinion on an issue, but to walk with the person. And it grew empathy and it grew empathy. So what do we do? If you're a Black Lives Matter activist and you are marching every single march that happens, can I ask you a question? Are you in any sort of relationship with any law enforcement officer? If the answer is no, guess what? That's your full-time job for the next six months, to find a law enforcement officer and to begin to establish some relationship, because I promise you, you know one. I promise you, you're one degree separated from one, okay? If you are a Trumper apologist at all his Save America, Make America Great Again rallies, and you are not in close relationship with somebody that will look you in the eye with tears in their eyes and say, America has never been great for me, so why would I want to go back? If you're not in that relationship, guess what? If we want to heal as a country, you will build a relationship with somebody like that. We cannot continue to make everybody that disagrees with us the worst part and the most extreme part of that opinion. We have to get back to where empathy is the goal. And empathy is simply just seeing their pain and understanding their pain. Will their pain change your mind? No, that's not the goal. I'm not saying that we all have to meet in the middle. No, like that would be horrible. That would not be human. That would be robotic. But if we can start seeing each other as humans again... I think that's going to be the the number one thing we've got to get back to. So what you're saying is if you want to be someone who is has a very, very conservative view on immigration, you can hold that view. But you need to also know someone who that has been affected by. Yes. So if you're holding that view, but you've never met an immigrant, an asylum seeker or anything, then that view is shallow because it's just based on policy and not people. Is that what you're saying? Yes. And let let me give you another example. My father is a black Panamanian from Colón, Panama. Okay. He may speak Spanish, but I've had to teach a lot of white people this year that just because a black person speaks Spanish doesn't make them any less black. Okay. So my father, black Panamanian, my mother's Mexican. We moved when I was a little kid from LA to Atlanta. Now my mom's a white Mexican. She's very fair skinned. She looks just like you. So when we moved to Atlanta, my father looked at me when I was five or six years old, right before I went to public school, we moved to an all white neighborhood because he wanted us to go to a good school. And he looked at me and he said, Carlitos, you are not black. You are Hispanic. You are Mexican. Now, this is what he told me. Now, why? Now that I'm 47 years old, I know why he told me that in the 80s in in the South. Because he knew that if I decided to identify as a black child in the South in the 80s, my life was going to be dramatically more difficult than if I chose to identify as a Mexican in the 80s. So what I did was I spent my adolescence, my teenage years, and my young adulthood talking about nothing but me being Mexican. I am Carlos Enrique Guitier Guzman Chibol Cabello. I am Mexican. I'm proud to be Mexican. Okay. So here's the deal. This is why I don't blame a lot of my white friends for the shock and awe that they've had to endure in my life because of me the last four years. Because what happened was suddenly around 2016, I no longer had the opportunity to just be Mexican. As I'm living in the South and I'm called the N-word, when I go on my fly fishing boat, I'm around a bunch of country dudes. Not that all of them are this way, but I got called the N-word more on the river or in a deer stand than I ever did before. Suddenly, in 2016, I realized, you know what? I actually don't have, I'm not afforded the privilege. 
I don't wear a shirt that just says, hey, my mom's white. I promise. Like, I can't, people get to choose what I am. In Nashville, Tennessee, or in the South, I'm black. I don't care what my DNA test says. So that was my moment for me of making a decision that I've got to lean into this conversation. I've got to really look at the black side of who I am because, and I need to be proud of it. I don't need to suppress it as I've been doing for so many years. So then, Jamie, this is funny. My mom gave me uh, Ancestry.com test for mm-hmm. for Christmas or something. Yeah. It's again, a 50% Panamanian, right? I wouldn't even say black. I just say Panamanian. And I got my Ancestry.com and it was 87% Congolese. Okay, so I see my DNA test come back. I'm as African as Africa gets. Like, I'm like, not even just, I'm Congolese. Mm -hmm. That was ground shaking for me, Mm -hmm. where I was like, here I have been suppressing this side of me for so long. And this is probably the part of me that needs to be the loudest in this moment. And so what happened? My close friends who had seen me as Mexican Carlos for all these years, okay, they were very uncomfortable when Black Carlos started to talk. They were very uncomfortable. But what I appreciate about what they did is they learned, they sat down and they're like, you know what? Like, you're right. I've never thought of it this way. And that's what we need to do. They needed to sit with me and not make it an issue, but walk with Carlos. And when they did that, it just meant the world to me. And so we just need a whole bunch more of that. Man, we had Faith Brooks on the podcast and we talked about why Black History Matters. And one of the things that she talked about a lot in that interview was about empathy and listening. And she was saying that we can't get anywhere unless people come to the table willing to put their defenses down and empathetically listen to what you're saying. And I've had experiences like this in my life. I mean, you want to vote on the dreamers and have you ever met one? And I have, you know, Maria is a dreamer. And that matters to me when I think about that. Now, I don't just think about policy. I think about this person that I know that works at Green Acres and, you know, or I think about, you know, laws being passed on drug usage. Well, I used to volunteer in the jail for like three years. I've met a lot of women who are addicts. Mm. Their lives matter in a different way, you know? And so those things start to matter when you start to reach across and meet different people. Now, all this work that you've been doing on Instagram and you call them your instant fam, is that what you say? Instafam. Yeah. Instafamilia. Yep. Instafamilia. <laughs> I know that it's been hard for you and I know it's been difficult, but I do know that a lot of people have um, had just maybe eyes to see more and ears to hear more. So I'm grateful for you and all that you're doing. Before I ask you what you're reading, I want you to tell everyone, we talked earlier about breaking those agreements with the lies. That's from yeah. your latest book, isn't it? That's from, yeah, my last two books have that idea. Okay. In it. So I would say Kill the Spider is is the book where that is unpack the most. Okay. And then Enter Wild has more to do with agreements with mental health and mental illness and anxiety and depression. Which we could have talked about that today as well. Oh my gosh, so much conversation. Want to connect with a family member who doesn't speak your language? Then check out the language learning program Rosetta Stone on desktop or as an app. Rosetta Stone is designed to immerse you in the language you're learning through an intuitive process. Plus, the True Accent feature even gives you feedback on your pronunciation. And with a lifetime membership, you have access to all 25 offered languages. Get started today. Visit rosettastone.com backslash pod 50 to get 50% off your lifetime membership now. That's rosettastone.com backslash pod 50 for 50% off. Whether you're a morning person or a bedtime procrastinator, everyone deserves a mattress that works for their style. And you'll find the best mattress for you at Ashley. The new Temper Adapt Collection at Ashley brings you one-of-a-kind body-conforming technology, making every sleep tailored to be your best. 
The collection also features cool-to-the-touch covers and motion absorption to help minimize sleep disruptions from partners, pets, or kids. Shop the all-new Temper Adapt Collection at Ashley in-store or online at ashley.com. Ashley, for the love of home. Okay, Carlos, what are you reading these days? I'm reading President Obama's biography. It's so right long. Now, so like, I'm listening to it. And yeah. I think it'll be all of 2021 for me because yeah. I always have to pick when I get in the car, podcast, book, podcast, book, know, and I'm so torn, but yes. So I'm reading that right now. And actually I'm an audiobook guy. This one I've decided to like read just because first of all, it weighs like 20 pounds because it is so, so big. <laughs> big. It's so big. And then I'm back in like John Eldridge land for me right now. And so I'm reading his book, Walking with God again. And you know, if people read any John Eldridge and then they read my books, they're going to be like, oh, like Carlos is basically trying to be John Eldridge because <laughs> I am like I, I have such a, you know, respect for that man. But I'm reading that again because I'm in a season where I'm really trying to tune into the voice of God because I got some big decisions ahead of me. And so that book I'm reading. But here's a book that I want everybody to read because I had the most fun with this book that I got done reading with. It's called The Silent Patient and it's a novel. OK. And and is one of those novels that. Like it's, it, I think the guy that I can't remember who the author is, you can put this on your show notes, but it's his first novel ever. And it was mind blowing. It was one of those like turns on every page. Like, no, like I'm in bed, like at three in the morning. I was like, why are you still awake? And I'm like, oh my gosh, I can't stop reading it. So the silent pace and I had a lot of fun reading that book. I love that so much. Do you and Heather watch TV? Are you TV watchers? Yes, we are. What are you into right now? I'm finishing the last and final season of Keeping Up with the Kardashians. I, I know that's not the answer that everyone was thinking I was going to say, but I love the Kardashians. I'm like, that oh, that's hilarious. It. And then also watching with my son a new show on Netflix called Lupin. And it, it's a French kind of Ocean's Eleven meets Italian job, con artist. Okay. It's like, it's on top 10 on Netflix right now. There's only five episodes. This really good looking black French dude is the lead. You know, they speak French, but it's subtitle and overdub okay. if you want to do that. But that one where me and my son are addicted to, he's 14. There's not a lot of shows like that that I can yeah. watch with him. Mm-hmm. This is one that I can watch with him. And so it's got the low switch stamp of approval on it. So yeah, I love, I love it. Well, Carlos, thanks for coming on the happy hour. Thanks for talking with us about identity and what it's like to be a black man in America right now. And thank you for just encouraging us to really walk with people and see people and what they're walking through more than we see maybe a policy or yes. division or a side. And so I think that is one of the things that's really going to help um, our country yeah. and something that we're obligated to do anyways as Christ followers. And so that yeah. should be high on our list. So thanks for coming on. You're welcome. Thanks for Guys, what a great show. Carlos dropped some bombs on us. He talked about identity. He talked about walking with people. He talked about entering into spaces that people occupy that you may not be familiar with. And we say it a lot here at the happy hour that proximity changes things. And that's what Carlos and I were talking about today is that proximity changes the way you think about things. Friends, if you enjoyed the show with Carlos, make sure you check out his new podcast, The Human Hope Podcast. While you're at it, leave a review over on iTunes for The Happy Hour, the show you're listening to now, and Carlos's podcast as well. Guys, enjoy your day. Have a happy hour with a friend soon if you can. I hope you're able to do that. Today's show was edited and mixed by the team at Podshaper. The show notes are written by Abby Castell. The music was developed for the show by Matt Graham. The whole thing is produced and organized by Lindsay Sweeney. I am your host, Jamie Ivey. And come back. We got another show coming up for you soon where we talk about the big things in life, the little things in life, and everything in between.
Whether you're a morning person or a bedtime procrastinator, everyone deserves a mattress that works for their style. And you'll find the best mattress for you at Ashley. The new Temper Adapt Collection at Ashley brings you one-of-a-kind body-conforming technology, making every sleep tailored to be your best. The collection also features cool-to-the-touch covers and motion absorption to help minimize sleep disruptions from partners, pets, or kids. Shop the all-new Temper Adapt Collection at Ashley in-store or online at ashley.com. Ashley, for the love of home.